What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Cat Brooks. Eviction moratoriums are coming to an end. How is tech being used to support landlords? And alternatively, what tech tools exist that can support tenants? Joining us to discuss is Aaron McElroy, a founder of the Anti-Eviction Mapping Project and also an assistant professor of American Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. They are also an author of the forthcoming book, Silicon Valley Imperialism, Techno-Fantasies and Frictions in Post-Socialist Times. Good morning, Aaron. Morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Aaron, for my listeners who may not know, tell us about the good work of the Anti-Eviction Mapping Project. What do you all do? Absolutely. Um, so we, we've been around for 10 years now. We started in San Francisco, and now we have chapters in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, but also Los Angeles and New York City. And we're a collective of volunteers that produce maps. Um, we do a lot of data work, and now we're producing tools. We also do history and media work, um, all to support housing justice organizing happening on the ground. So um, we, we've made hundreds of different types of maps, um, all led by volunteers committed to supporting grassroots and, and frontline organizing efforts. Aaron, you're breaking up just a little bit. I don't know if there's a place uh, in the area you're at, maybe that has a little bit of better reception. Maybe you can try to move there. Um, while you're doing that, something that I have been interested in and was sort of bracing myself for as I saw the moratoriums coming to an end is what it would mean in terms of landlord behaviors, right? We've seen some pretty egregious behavior. I mean, I'm sure you followed the nightmare that happened here in Oakland, California. Um, what what have you all witnessed in terms of landlord behaviors towards tenants now that the moratorium, moratoriums are over. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the projects that I've been a part of um, uh, for the last four years is a project called Landlord Tech Watch. And it's a project that um, is affiliated with the Anti-Eviction Mapping Project and a few other uh, groups as well. And what we've been studying is the increased use of surveillance by landlords in order to uh, collect and grab data about tenants that could be used against them. Um, and so during the pandemic, we saw a rise of companies. Uh, for instance, this company Neighborly sent emails to landlords saying, you know, you should basically snitch on all the tenants who can't pay rent right now um, due to all of the um, <laughs> reasons why people couldn't pay rent when, when the pandemic began and still. Um, and basically they said, we'll build a database about these tenants and then you can use this or we can use this in the future, basically to deny tenants housing and essentially to block list them from the ability to, to uh, find a rental house in unit in the future. Um, and so this is really problematic because it reproduces cycles of housing precarity, but also carcerality. We all know if somebody has been evicted um, and you know it's more likely that they might end up unhoused and then it's much more likely that they'll end up incarcerated. Um, and of course, evictions themselves are also carceral processes that involve the sheriff's department. So what we've been really seeing is this increase of um, landlord and police collaboration through technology. And of course, this this existed pre-pandemic, but using what we can describe as logics of crisis capitalism that really augmented uh, throughout the pandemic. So there's a, a big fear now that you know all of the tenants you haven't been able to pay back rent um, are, are going to be penalized and potentially evicted uh, for rent owed 
because all of this data has been been collected and, and every city and county and state has a different policy about this uh, and so it's not the same across the US by any means but it's it's worrisome uh, regardless of what you are as an organizer and an activist, I felt a little behind the eight ball because I'd never heard the term landlord tech. Um, you break that down yeah. uh, on, on, the web, on the website you all have. You talk about two mm-hmm. types of landlord tech, surveillance and speculation. Can you define each and give an example? Absolutely. So I've been mostly focused on the surveillance aspect. And I, I should mention that the real estate industry describes this often as prop tech or property technology. Um, it's a term that was coined actually in the aftermath of the foreclosure crisis um, to describe the new ways that um, uh, real estate speculators and landlords and property owners of commercial, industrial, and residential buildings were using technology in order to basically augment their um, their business uh, relations. And so we've been really focusing on the ways that landlords themselves are using this technology, and so we coined the term landlord tech really to signal uh, who benefits from from um, these new technologies, but also who's really you know in charge, who's the arbiter of these technologies. And so we're really just focusing on residential uh, implications. We're not looking at business or industrial uses of new technology. Um, and, and if we think about the foreclosure crisis again, in this aftermath, huge investment companies like Blackstone and Invitation Homes um, but in the Bay Area, you know, companies like Urban Green Investments in San Francisco and soon after companies uh, like Wedgwood or Veritas began accumulating, you know, um, dozens, if not hundreds or thousands of properties. And what they needed were, were basically new technologies in order to allow them to scale and to manage potentially tens of thousands of properties across different geographies. And so they were really leaning heavily on this new tech boom, of course, which has its genesis in the Bay Area, uh, to basically find new virtual property management systems. Uh, so right now, it's very common, right, for tenants to pay rent through these portals, like our use rent cafe or, or similar systems. But this wasn't always the case. And so what we saw was this increase of corporate landlordism and corporate landlords using new technologies to manage properties. And then what we've seen in the last decade um, is this trend towards these um, landlord tech systems using what are called digital doormen, which is a really strange term, but it's part of the industry now, um, and other sort of surveillance systems in order to create what they like to advertise as frictionless experiences for tenants and property managers. But to give an example, um, there are now, we've been seeing this actually in New York City quite a bit, um, big multi-unit buildings maybe that house up to a thousand up to ten thousand tenants where the landlords are deciding to mandate that tenants give up their keys or their key fobs and instead subject their faces to biometric facial scans in order to access their own homes and this is highly problematic because tenants aren't given any information about where the data um, that is collected about them through these new camera systems nobody knows where that data is stored where it goes does it go to the police does it go to ice um, is the landlord monitoring everything? Could something that they do that might be really petty, like perhaps having their mother come visit and maybe they're supposed to register that with the landlord. If they forget to do that, that could be grounds for a fine or potentially an eviction. So there are lots of um, harms that we know about um, that these new uh, systems impose 
And on top of that, um, you know, there have been many studies now that these facial recognition systems are uh, extremely biased when it comes to race and gender and are known to uh, misrecognize women and, and gender queer and trans folks, um, and particularly uh, people of color's faces. And so there are lots of cases of um, people not being able to get into their own homes because these systems don't recognize them or think that they're their cousin or something like that. So it's, it's, a, it's a highly problematic um, industry and it's Really being and Aaron, I'm sorry, our tech issues yeah. like cut our, our time short and I've got about 60 okay. seconds left with you. I want you oh. to tell us about a Victor book and where folks can yes. go check it out. Absolutely. I don't wanna... So the Anti-Victory yeah, Project has, uh, no, no worries. We have a new tool called a Victor book. Um, we just re-released it. It works in San Francisco and Oakland. It's a tool where you can look up your address or look up your, your landlord if they're a corporation and see all of the properties that they own any evictions that have taken place in any of them. And you can really understand how they work as, as a corporate entity. And we built this because we want to provide data that's really hard to get oftentimes for tenants so that tenants can engage in multi-building organizing and build tenant associations um, across buildings owned by corporate landlords and really fight back. So it's evictorbook.com. And we're actually having a webinar if anybody's interested in learning how it works on uh, July 30th at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. And you can find all of this on our website, antievictionmap.com. And we will link to both the website and the Evictor book platform in the archive version of the show. Erin McElroy, sorry for the short time. We will have you back. Thanks for coming on the show. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>